Easy answers are seductive, aren't they, when it comes to the problems of the world. But do they help? One reason I came up with Sonderlust as a podcast idea was that I was tired of listening to easy answers. Answers that usually involved others changing their behaviours or values or beliefs, but not ourselves. I wanted to create a space to question, to challenge and to be curious, and all without the seductiveness and convenience of the easy answer. In this episode I've put together a collection of difficult questions that really do not have easy answers. Let's see what, if anything, comes from doing that. This is Sonderlust with Steve M. Nash, offering an uncommon perspective on the human being experience. An invitation for you and I to blame and shame less and to listen more, and to see what comes from doing that. Episode 3. Questions? The challenging one that asks awkward questions. Quotes. To ask the right question is far more important than to receive the answer. The solution of a problem lies in the understanding of the problem. The answer is not outside the problem, it is in the problem. Jiddu Krishnamurti If you do not ask the right questions, you do not get the right answers. A question asked in the right way often points to its own answer. Edward Hodnett Here are some difficult questions then, in no particular order, and I'll comment on them as I see fit. 1. How do you solve a problem like climate change? Is this the kind of potentially apocalyptic problem that really does prove that the ends justify the means? E.g. the disruptive actions of Extinction Rebellion and Insulate Britain are necessary. Is the potential end of the world as we know it such a horrific end that it should be avoided at any and all costs? I.e. literally anything goes. Or must extreme actions always be avoided for this short-term greater good. This is a classic example of people who disagree with each other having to find a way to agree for the common good of all. Additional, do we need to think of climate change in terms of familiar issues of the world, e.g. exploitation of South by the North, racism, misogyny, to pick a few issues, Or will framing the solving of climate change in terms of these issues be counterproductive? Cheeky extra question that not many are asking and that no one has the answer to. How does anyone know for certain that the end of the world, for now, due to climate change, isn't the best thing that could happen to the world in the long, tens of thousands of years from now, term? This is probably an indulgent question given what's at stake in the short term for the billions of creatures alive on the planet today, but still. 2. Is it possible to look for solutions that suit and take account of everyone? The all. And must we focus on the many or the few to get anything useful done? Note. For the many, not the few, was a Labour Party slogan for the UK general election in 2019. Must solutions, by their very nature, be less appropriate for one group to be more appropriate to another? Is problem-solving a so-called zero-sum game? If I am right, you have to be wrong. If you gain, I have to lose. If this works for them, it can't work for us. Do win-win-for-all solutions exist in the real world? I guess I'm asking. 3. Is the best way to deal with racism, for example, to focus on it, 
Look for it everywhere, in every aspect of life, no matter the cost, until it is finally eradicated. See James Baldwin's 1969 interview with Dick Cavett on YouTube. Or is it time to stop seeing people in terms of colour, e.g. white or black or brown, etc.? See Morgan Freeman's much more recent interview about Black History Month on YouTube. Or, in more general terms, if you acknowledge the issue and try and tackle it, must you always be thinking about the world in terms of that issue? Or does doing so become a problematic way of being in its own right, a so-called playing the race card that does not succeed in getting the important message across? I have suffered from racism a little, so I have a little skin in this game. Overall, though, I favour Morgan Freeman's approach, because it allows us to focus on what makes us the same, rather than on what makes us different. 4. Similarly, how do you deal with a problem, e.g. racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, misogyny and misandry, without demonising those that represent the problem, e.g. racists, sexists, homophobes, etc.? Is it possible? Or must these oppressive forces always be oppressed for success to be realised? 5. Is it ever appropriate to never listen to the other side, the opposing group, the ones in the wrong, the ones with the heinous viewpoints, e.g. fascists, racists, paedophiles, misogynists, etc.? Or is any solution that doesn't involve listening to the other part of the problem? Winning wars doesn't mean that you win hearts and minds e.g. Nazism was not defeated when Nazi Germany was defeated in the Second World War. 6. Are you part of the solution or part of the problem? Are you sure of that? OK, if you're part of the solution, can you also be part of the problem? And if you're part of the problem, can you be part of the solution too? If loving and caring for others is the answer, is it OK to hate those people that don't seem to love and care for others as you do? Extra. Do you love and care for everyone, or just the right ones? 7. What's the best way to deal with a terrible tantrum in a child? A little more mundane, this one, but still. Does the answer change if you're a parent? If you're a parent and it's your child? Or if you're not a parent? Why should an answer to a question change depending on who you are, or even who asked the question, e.g. abortion rights, gay rights? I guess I'm asking, must you be a part of the affected group to be able to have an opinion about that group? 8. Can there ever be peace on this planet when there isn't peace in your own head? How can what Alan Watts refers to as a quaking mess, i.e. any human being, be anything other than a quaking mess? Especially when you consider another notion he shared, that of wanting to clean up the messiness of life is the messiness of life. So how on earth do you know the best way to affect positive change, guaranteed? How do you know it's not going to make things worse? Okay. No more puzzling questions, you were pleased to know. Instead, the Sonderless Challenge. Before I leave you, here's a little something for you to ponder on during your week. I'm curious, what other important questions could I have asked? General questions that affect all of us. And what question did I ask, if any that you didn't think was necessary to be asked. You have been listening to Sonderlust with Steve M. Nash all the way to the end. Thank you. For more about this podcast 
and to join the Sonderlust mailing list, please visit stevemnash.com forward slash podcast.